Hello and welcome to The Wanderer, the Anglo-Saxon heathen podcast. In this episode, we have David Cassily, who is an instructor of HEMA, Historical European Martial Arts, but he has a liking for George Silver, who was an English gentleman. He wasn't a member of the Company of Maesters, but he was trained very, very well in the English systems, and he wrote down the principles as taught by the Company of Maesters. He even erected a stage in London with his brother Toby and offered all comers. He would take on anybody who wanted to fight. So although he was an English gentleman, he was always a fighter. Hello, my name's Dave Cassily and I'm an instructor with Academy Gloriana. And I thank you to Meister Frank Doherty for inviting me to do this podcast. I came into HEMA through a love of history. I've always been fascinated by military history, liked reading about it, liked watching it on television, liked watching the movies, and like most of us, liked watching the swashbucklers such as Errol Flynn, Basil Rathbone and Tyrone Power. But I first got to know about HEMA properly about a decade ago. I was researching writing a history book and came across Meister Mark Hilliard and Academy Gloriana. Now, I'd known about reenactors and sport fencing previously, but never really come across somebody doing historical fencing as a martial art. And here were guys that were studying treatises and practicing this as a living, proper martial art. So I went down to see what it was about and very quickly got hooked. I found something I didn't really know I was looking for. I got to study historical manuscripts and play with sharp pointy things also. Quite a result. At the time, the Academy was a study group looking at the works of a particular English fencing master called George Silver. Now, these works were The Paradoxes of Defence, which he published in 1599, and his unpublished manuscripts that were found in the British Museum around 1890. These were brief instructions on my Paradoxes of Defence, the Sloan Manuscript 376, which was known as the Thornborough Manuscript, and also the Flowchart. Luckily for me, members of the Academy had already obtained copies of the manuscripts, so that I could go back to the actual written words of George Silver rather than relying on a translation or a transcription. Even though these manuscripts were written by somebody that had a spider's hand with eccentric Elizabethan spelling. But I also got introduced to other things, such as Meister Terry Brown's book, English Martial Arts. If you haven't read it, I'd beg Steele or borrow a copy, because believe me, it's worth it. At the time, we were more of a study group, like I said. We trained with minimal protection, though, just fencing masks and gloves. We also played in true time and true force, so bruises are common. Mistress Payne is a great teacher, so they say, but it did not focus the mind, particularly on defence. After all, that's what we were studying, the art of defence, not getting hit. Now, training at the time was over at Wharton, under Mark Hilliard, but I had a number of friends where I lived in Bolton who were interested in couldn't make it up there. So the upshot was that we looked to open a Bolton College. I'm a qualified teacher anyway, and quite soon after joining the academy, I got my teaching certs and became an instructor. And this coincided with a change in what we were doing in the academy to change it into a school, which meant working out syllabuses, training plans and everything else that goes with running a school teaching martial arts, rather than a group of like-minded friends getting together and knocking seven bells out of each other. But the touchstone of what we were doing was always the treatises, going back to them stress testing them as close as possible to what it would be in real life. Like you say, we worked in true time and true force. But it's probably worth a good time now to talk about the guy that we study, George Silver. Because for me, he's got a bad rep, an unfair rep as a xenophobe. And I don't think he was. 
Now, I'm a qualified historian, and one thing we always try and do when you're looking at works is to look at the context of the time they were written. The past is another country, so they say. They do things differently there. So we try and not read into them through the prism of our 21st century eyes. George Silver was a man of his age. He was born around 1560 and lived through very turbulent times. The Elizabethan period is sometimes looked back upon as a golden age, but it was a society under threat. It was struggling to feed its population. There were food riots in 1596. Harvest for the previous two years had been bad, but in 1596 they were particularly poor. In 1597, London had twice as many burials as baptisms, mainly due to the effects of famine. Crime was on the rise, particularly robbery, burglary and housebreaking. In the early 1590s in the southeast, the average was 250 crimes at that time per year. By 1598, it was 430. And throughout George Silver's adult life, England was at war. Between 1585 and 1603, England was fighting in Holland, supporting the Dutch revolt against Spain, supporting the Huguenots in Normandy and Brittany. We also had the Sea Dogs fighting the Spanish on the high seas. The Great Spanish Armada of 1588 was only one of three, because the Spanish came back again in 1596 and 1597, as well as a constant war in Ireland. Protestant England was under siege from a Catholic Europe. Now into this, George Silver saw what he thought were teachers spreading a fencing system which was false and dangerous to anybody that used it. The book that he wrote wasn't to sell the system. He wasn't a member of the Masters of Defence. He was a gentleman of independent means. His book was a counter to a fashion for a system that he saw was killing young men in his society, a society he saw under threat. But the system he was proposing wasn't one that he said he invented. Remember, he's not selling anything. His system was a tried and tested English system. Our forefathers were wise, though our age accounts them foolish, so he said. It's a system that for me is really interesting because it's on the cusp of medieval and renaissance. But it's a system deeply rooted in principles, grounds and governors. Pay heed to them and we found you don't get hit. Break them and you do. Now, the academy is a school, but we don't treat this as a sport. We treat this as a martial art and try and get as close as we can to the reality of it, without killing your students, of course. We stress test this in free play, sparring, in true time and true force. We use a lot more protection now. Uh, we find police body armour stands up particularly well. Breaking your students is not a good plan. But we do free play to the first hit. If you get hit, something went wrong, and we need to look at what that is as a learning point. So we stop and look at what went wrong. And we stress test it that way. But it's not just silver we're looking at. Um, the moment, as a counterpoint to silver, we're also studying the works of Giancomo de Grassi. Uh, it's the English translation published in 1594. De Grassi's True Art Defence is the one that we're looking at because it's contemporary with silver and it's a rapier play, contemporary with silver. Now, this journey into the art of defence for me has led me on to other things, not just silver, not just rapier. Uh, 133 doing a bit of longsword, ringek and fiore, as well as some odd things like World War I bayonet drill. But all of them are rooted in the treatises, the documents of the time. That's the touchstone we go back to every single time. And one of the recent things I'm starting to look at is English two-handers. Uh, the Lido Roll, which is a slow manuscript, 39564 is one I'm particularly looking at. But I also do other things. 
Um, I do Filipino Escrima, which I also find is principle-based. Similar moves working through unarmed, knife, single, double stick and bolo, for example. So again, I find principle-based martial arts really useful. You can utilize them with different weapons. Now, I also do a lot of work with Lancashire museums, although less of that recently because half of them are closing due to budget cuts. Heritage doesn't seem to be a priority for this government. At places like Lancaster Castle and Clitheroe Castle, I do medieval, and at Gawthorpe Hall, I do Renaissance, and that's weapons handling, uh, weapons talks, weapons displays to the general public and for schools. Uh, I've taught reception class, real sword guards, and to watch the blood drain from the face of the teachers when they realise the risk assessment won't cover this is a sight to behold. But on a serious note, I think we in HEMA have a responsibility to see that the European martial heritage that's been rediscovered over the last few years isn't allowed to drift back out of the public consciousness. We've got a martial heritage just as vibrant and valuable as any other in the world, and we need to make the next generation aware of this so that the work that was started by people like Meister Terry Brown and others is carried forward and not allowed to go quietly into history. I think we need a legacy, a leave a legacy for people to carry on. And that's what we're trying to do with the Academy. My name's Dave Cassily, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Wanderer, the Anglo-Saxon Heathenism podcast. And if you like this episode, hopefully you'll tune in next time. Thank you.